Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message. Amen. Say, I take eyes to see. I take ears to hear. I forgive everybody of everything. I receive supernatural debt cancellation. The word of God that I'm about to receive will enable me and empower me to make Jesus famous in my everyday life. You may be seated. And I want to say congratulations to you guys because as Sunday's concerned, you guys have perfect attendance at church so far for 2018. Perfect attendance for 2018 on Sundays. Amen. So let's keep up that attendance. That means you got to come next Sunday and the Sunday after that. Amen. Well, as before we get in the Word, we took at fall last year, we took surveys to see how we can better serve you here at Faith. And so we went through all the different surveys, went through all the comments. And one of the things that we derive from all of the different comment sessions especially is improving how we communicate to you all. So I want to give you an update. We just want you guys to give out surveys and we never talk to you about it again. So we received the surveys, and so what we began to do is increase how we communicate in the most clear way possible. One of the things you'll see how we do the announcements will change once we get into the new building, once we have all of our media equipment once again. But if you've been checking your email, at every Monday morning, we send an email called This Week at Faith. What does it do? It lets you know what's coming up that week at Faith, things that you should plan for, things you should know. So pay attention to your emails. That's increased. You've seen our social media presence has increased. We have more information on there. But also, if you look at your notes on the Bible app, you'll see where we have different events and bulletin information on there. You can also see the bulletin. We're increasing how we communicate so that we can keep on knowing as a family what we're doing together. Amen. And so this is just the beginning. We will keep doing more to where our communication internally is excellent and our communication externally is extraordinary. Amen? So thank you for filling out those surveys. We'll let you more, more, know more, more and more about how we're doing things to implement some of the suggestions you had. And some of the things you guys wrote down were things that were already in our heart and we're moving towards that way. Also, one of the things we saw in the comment section about upgrading our curriculum for Kids World, and we have done that. They actually have a Kids World curriculum training today, and we'll be implementing it soon. And so we are moving forward as a faith family. Amen? Well, open your Bibles to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. And I encourage you, if you haven't been here the last few weeks, to check out our podcast or go to our website so you can download the messages for free. We put all of our messages on the podcast and the website to be a blessing to you. And as I mentioned before, you can access all of my notes on the Bible app the YouVersion Bible app on the live event section so you can follow along with me, make your own notes as the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart. One of the things we've been saying for the last six to eight weeks is in 2018, you must know where you are going and you must know to where to look. In 2018, you must know where you are going and you must know where to look. This past Sunday on New Year's Eve, the morning, we spoke about how to set smart goals. Goals that you can achieve this year. That is also connected to where you are going. And so if you haven't had a chance to set goals for the year, take some time today, pause, and set goals. Because if you don't stop, life will keep going, and it'll be December going, oops, I never set my goals for 2018. So make sure you set time to set smart goals. And you can listen to that message, and we walk you through how to do that. But also where you're going concerns what we'll read in Numbers 13 today. Verse 17. Remember, so where you are going and where to look. And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, Get you up this way southward and go up into the mountain and see. Say see. See. The land, what it is, and the people that dwell therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many, and what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they be that they dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds, and what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not, and be ye of good courage and bring of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the first time of the first stripe grapes, the first ripe grapes. And they brought up, verse 32, an evil report of the land, which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eats up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw, say saw, 
In it are men of great stature. And there we saw, say Saul, the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight, say sight, as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. Part of the spies' instructions were to go and see the land. That's the command. Go see it. Look at it. And their report is based on what they saw. I want you to remember this. An evil report is an unbelieving report based on your sight and senses alone. An evil report is an unbelieving report based on your sight and senses alone. So they went and they saw, but they didn't do what God wanted them to do. Numbers 13, 30, when they're given this report, Caleb stills the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Why? Caleb and Joshua, part of the 12 spies, 10 spies saw one thing, yet Joshua and Caleb saw something else. It's important what you see. When you look at chapter 14, Starting with verse 6, and Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, which of them that searched the land rent their clothes, and they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which you passed through to search it is an exceeding good land. Why? That's what they saw. If the Lord delight in us, then he'll bring us into this land and give it us a land which flows with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. The 12 are looking at the same thing, but there are two different reports. As you look at 2018, there may be different reports. But I will remind you an evil report is an unbelieving report based only on what you see in your senses. That means if you want to experience the goodness of God in 2018, it can't just be your normal sight. You have to learn to see a different way. Why? We walk by faith and not by, we walk by faith and not our five natural senses. Yes, your sight and your senses are important, but you have to understand there's a greater way to perceive. There's a greater way to see because the same people can look at the same thing and get different results. Remember, we did an example, if you're here on a Wednesday night a number of weeks ago, I had an apple in my hand and I held it. I says, what do you see? Someone said apple. Someone said a snack. Someone was hungry. But I said, I look at it, and I see an industry. Because I see seeds that I plant will become apple trees. That will produce more apples. That will become an apple orchard. Then I can see apple cider. I can see a mill. What do you see with what you have in your hand? The issue is not that you don't have enough. It's that you don't look at what you have correctly. What did the prophet say to the woman? What do you have in your house? She says, I don't have anything but this jar with a little bit of oil. Go get what's in your house, borrow some pots, and keep pouring, and it won't fail till there's no more pots. It's not an issue I don't have enough. It's I don't know how to use what I have correctly. I'm not looking at what I have correctly. You're going into 2018. How you see what you're looking at is important. You have to learn how to see the correct way. That's why today's message is called Upgrading Your Vision. Upgrading Your Vision. How you see things in 2018 is vitally important. One of the things the Lord said to us in the last few months, he said that it's going to be a year of fullness, overflow, and glory, but if you don't look in the right place, you will not see it. Which means the word of the Lord won't come true. But it may not come true for you if you're not looking in the right place. Your vision is vitally important. Say, neighbor, your vision is vitally important. Now look at your second favorite neighbor. Say, neighbor, your vision is vitally important. Although they were looking at the same thing, they all saw something different. Their lives and their futures were affected by their sight in that moment. It was the fullness of time. It was a set time. It was an appointed time when God wanted his children to enter into the promised land. But because they couldn't see correctly, they couldn't receive even though it was a set time. 
This is a set time right now. We talked about it over the last few weeks. But if you don't upgrade your vision, you won't enter into everything that God has for you. Faith must possess what grace has provided. The promised land was on the horizon. The fullness of time had come, and the majority of the children of Israel could not receive what God had prepared for them. And so a whole generation dies in the wilderness, and the promised land is still on the horizon. Yes, it's a beautiful horizon, but they can't partake of it. How many times are things so close we can see it, but we can't get it? The promised land was on the horizon, and a whole generation couldn't experience it. But that wasn't the same for Joshua and Caleb. Because they saw something different, the promised land didn't stay on the horizon. They entered into the promised land and possessed what used to be on the horizon. What will be you this year? Will you keep wandering in circles in the wilderness, walking around in a circle because of your unbelief? Because of your unbelieving report based only by what you see, by your experience? And it's, oh, it would be nice. It'll be in the sweet by and by it happened. You make up some crazy doctrine. This is why it happened for so-and-so that it didn't happen for me this way. Well, yep, God will heal them, but he won't heal me. God will bless them, but he won't bless me. And you make up some crazy doctrine. You keep walking in circles, walking in circles, never getting what God has for you till you die. And you go to heaven and says, oh, isn't this wonderful? Yes, it's wonderful. But God says, I wanted you to have this on earth. Did he not say that his will should be done on earth as it is in heaven? So why is the church waiting to experience heaven when they die? It's supposed to be heaven on earth. That's not even a concept that's introduced in the New Testament. When you read the law in the book of Deuteronomy, the blessing was supposed to work in such a way, Moses said, that you have days of heaven on the earth. That's what God wants you to experience, but you must upgrade your vision to receive it. So will you be the generation that just keeps the promised land on the horizon, or will you go possess what God has for you this year? Five people said they're going to possess it. That's about 10 more. Who are you going to be this year? 20 people get it. Let me ask you one more time. Are you going to possess or are you going to walk in circles? So you must upgrade your vision. Don't leave it on the horizon. Get what God wants you to have. The word horizon has been rolling around in my heart for months now, at least since August of last year. And so when I looked up one of the definitions for horizon, one definition of horizon is the farthest your eyes can see or the limits you can see coming. One definition of horizon is the farthest your eyes can see or the limits you can see coming. So in order to possess what's on your horizon, you must upgrade your vision. Go to Genesis chapter 12. Say, in 2018, 2018. I'm upgrading my vision. vision. And if some of you focus this on enough, you'll realize that your natural eyesight will become better than 2020 as well. Because didn't Moses, when he died, it says his natural eyesight hadn't abated and hadn't changed. So stop saying, well, I'm old, I can't see. Moses was 120, none of y'all are close to that. You know, I remember reading the story about John G. Lake, a mighty man of God using healing in the 20th century, the first half of the 20th century. Did many miracles for Jesus in Africa, in Seattle, Washington here. The U.S. government said that at that time where he lived in Washington was the healthiest city in the United States, and they said partly due to the ministry of John G. Lake. Now, you have to know you're powerful if the U.S. government goes, yeah, that city's healthy because you're there. But near the end of his life, he began to go blind. He couldn't see. He was barely could see. 
And he was like, this doesn't make sense. For my life, I've preached healing. Now I can't see. So he went on a walk. How did he go on a walk? I don't know. He can barely see. But he goes outside. They say he walks around the block. Just talking to God. says, it does not make sense for me to lose my sight when you're the healer. And he had a conversation with God, and he came back in the house. His eyesight completely restored. Faith must possess what grace has provided. You leave so many things on the horizon because, oh, I don't know if it could happen for me. It seems so big in your sight. You seem so little in your sight. If you don't upgrade your vision, you won't receive everything God has for you. Do you know one of the, in eternity, might be one of the, one of the second most discouraging moments for a believer? You get to heaven, and God shows you this wonderful room of all these wonderful things. And you think it's your reward. And he says, no, that was for you on earth. Why does the will of God change once you get to heaven? When you ask millions and millions of Christians, is there sickness in heaven? Oh, no. Is there disease in heaven? No. Is there curse in heaven? No. Is there poverty in heaven? No. Is there depression in heaven? No. But you ask those same Christians... Oh, is it God's will for you to be sick on earth? Well, you just never know the will of God. <laughs> is it God's will for you to be poor? You know, God may be using poverty to teach you something. So you go through all these religious exercises and motions, and you put up with it on earth when you wouldn't put up with it in heaven. But God says his will should be done on earth as it is in heaven. So if you upgrade your vision and get a clear view of heaven, you can experience heaven on the earth. We need to stop just be focusing on trying to get to heaven and bring heaven to earth. That's always been God's plan. When you read the book of Revelation at the very end, God said, I'm coming to the earth. I'm bringing my throne. I'm bringing my city. His whole thing is bringing heaven to earth. You are here as believers to bring heaven to earth. Because if it wasn't true, once you get saved, you can go straight to heaven. But you have work to do. When you make Jesus famous, when you bless neighborhoods and nations, you're bringing pieces of heaven to earth. Stop complaining about all the curse. Stop complaining about all the hell you see and change it. You're called to bring heaven to earth. But in order to do that, you must possess the promised land. You must be people of faith who upgrade your vision. Genesis 12 verse 1, Now the Lord has said unto Abram, Get thee out of your country and from your kindred and from your father's house. That's the word of God for somebody. Unto a land that I will show you. Show you. God told Abram, I want you to leave because I want to show you something. Now, some of you thought I was just joking when I said that. But the Lord reminded me of something he showed me in a dream a couple days ago. So I'm just acting out what I saw. Some of you need to leave your exes in 2017. You've been carrying on things about, oh, well, I don't know why it didn't work out. I don't know why this is going on. Well, the reason why you're still thinking about them is because you slept with them last year. Leave them in 2017 and move on with God in 2018. Stop trying to make relationships work out that God said, enough. I don't know why they didn't call me back. The mercy of God. Well, I don't know why they didn't see in me what I see in myself. It doesn't matter why they didn't see it. Move on. See what God sees in you, and God will bring the right person along. Stop downgrading your life to put up with trifling. Stop downgrading your life to say, well, I'm just so lonely and it's cold. I need someone to get close to. No, you don't. Hell's hot. You want to get close to that? Leave them in 2017 and move on. Go forward. Possess the promised land and stop sleeping with Canaanites. One of the reasons why the Israelites died in the wilderness, when you read, I've been reading through Deuteronomy and Numbers and Exodus over the last few weeks, one of the ways Satan tried to stop them was he sent some loose Amorite women. Balaam tried to curse them, but it didn't work. But it says if they start sleeping around with Canaanites, a blessing can't work. So he sent, they sent hundreds, whores, 
whoremongers house. To make the people of Israel trip up. So the blessings stopped working and more died in the wilderness. You have to remember, God has called us to be holy, not whole like. If you want to possess the promised land, stop hoeing around and be holy. The blessing has to work. And purity is an enabler of the blessing. Don't let the Canaanites and the Amorites and the Jebusites and all the ites strip you up. Get what God has for you and leave the rest in 2017. And let the church say, So God told Abram, I want you to leave here so I can show you something. And I'll bless those that bless you. I'll curse those that curse you. I'll make your name great. And all the families of the earth will be blessed because of you. But notice he said, leave everybody alone. You and your wife, y'all go. But for whatever reason, might be a noble reason, he took Lot. Are there some things or some people you're carrying around with you that God said let go, but you're still keeping them with you? Well, I've known them for so long, and you just know that's not the love of God. No, it is the love of God if he says, leave their tail alone. Stop trying to be a savior. You're not Jesus. Let Jesus save them. And if Jesus can't save them, why are you trying? I can change him, Jesus. Yes, I can. No, you can't. Let Jesus work on him. You leave him alone. You have to go forward. You have to possess the promised land. Let God be God and you be you. No more missionary dating. I can get them sanctified. No, if the game is strong enough, you won't know the difference. Until after you say, I do. And then you thought you were marrying an angel and it wake up, ooh, it's Lucifer. You got to leave some stuff in 2017. Because you can say new year, new me all you want. But if you still act like the old you, you're still going to get the old results. As I said on New Year's Eve, what is the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Well, I'm always attracting the wrong person. Well, first, look at you first. What is you doing? Who is you entertaining? How is you dressing? Hmm? Analyze yourself. And then also know Satan sends counterfeits. But the thing is, if you're always entertaining counterfeits, you'll never see the real thing. Because if you keep staying in counterfeit relationships, counterfeit friendships, counterfeit places, when the real thing comes along, you'll never receive it. Because you're too busy. And why would God make, make that person wait? Because you like the counterfeit. Oh, I know. I know I'm preaching. Genesis 13, 5. Abram, Sarah, and Lot, they leave Egypt. They're prospering. They're prospering so much because, you know, you're blessed. Other people will be blessed just because they're near you. That's why you should expect the company that you work for, the places where you are, to be blessed because you're there. Lot begins to prosper. They have herdsmen. They have shepherds working for them. But they went into a new land, and it was too much for the both of them. And there became strife between the herdsmen of Abram and the herdsmen of Lot. So Abram goes to put an end to strife. He says, Lot, we're family. They shouldn't be strife. I, used to, I guess that meant something to Abram. A lot of us like to live in the family strife today. King of the clapbacks when you guys get together. Not peace. Another message. And it's a lot, you pick what area looks good to you, and I'll go the opposite way. So Lot looked, say look, toward the plain and saw the best was the area near Sodom and Gomorrah. So he went to live that way. He went from living in the plains to moving into Sodom and Gomorrah. And the thing is, he was a righteous man. It doesn't say that he wasn't righteous. It says he was a righteous man, and what he saw vexed his soul. But he never made a difference. 
Lot sat among the city elders in the gate, so he prospered. They knew who he was. But in his position, he never made a difference. So many people have the Christianity of a lot. They're just waiting for the world to change. And they're sitting there, well, God, you're going to do something. Yeah, he'll do something when you do something. So Lot goes on and lives his life. Abram separates himself from the strife and from disobedience. And the Lord speaks to him. Verse 14 of Genesis 13. And the Lord said unto Abram, after that lot was separated from him, lift up now your eyes and look. Say, look. From the place where you are northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see, say, see. To you will I give it unto your seed forever. And I will make your seed as the dust of the earth, so that if any man can number the dust of the earth, then shall your seed also be numbered. Arise, walk through the land in the length of it and in the breadth of it, for I will give it unto you. Notice he told Abram, whatever you see is yours. So if Abraham, who he became, kept his eyes closed or didn't walk through the land, he wouldn't have received it. Notice God addressed Abraham's vision after he got out of disobedience and ended the strife. As I said before, faith takes possession of what grace has promised. Hebrews chapter 7, 11 says that Abraham received the promises. God wants to work on your sight. You have to upgrade your vision. God is still dealing with that man of God's vision. We look at Genesis 15 verse 5. And God brought Abraham forth abroad and said, Look now, say look, toward the heaven and tell the stars if you be able to number them. And he said unto him, so shall your seed be. So Abraham's in his tent. God says, step outside. Look up. Put your eyes on the promise. You have to keep the promises of God before your eyes if you expect to receive them and experience them. Because Hebrews tells us faith and patience inherits the promises. Patience is endurance. Patience implies sometimes promises take time. Sometimes it takes time because you have to go through the process so you can receive the promise. Because if you receive the promise today, you would blow it up. But if you go through the process, you'll be mature enough to handle it when it comes to you. Faith and patience. So if you set your faith and you keep looking at the promises you'll be able to endure the time it takes to receive them. But if you get your eyes off the promises, you're going to get tired and you won't receive it. So where are you looking? What are you looking at? Are you looking at the promise? Go to Joshua chapter 1. I encourage you, if you're following our church Bible reading plan, read through the book of Joshua this month. Spend a lot of time, especially Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. Be strong, verse 6, and of good courage. For unto this people you shall divide for an inheritance the land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Joshua. You're going to give these people the land that I promised to Abraham. We read some of the promises to Abraham. And he said, Joshua, you're going to do something that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph couldn't do. You're going to do something that Moses didn't do. So I need you to be strong. I need you to be of good courage. Then he says it again, only be thou strong and very courageous, that you may observe, guard to do according to the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Turn out from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper whithersoever you go. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. That means you need to keep it in your mouth. You need to keep saying it. But you shall meditate. That word meditate means to think on, to imagine, to mutter, and to roar. So you need to keep saying it. There and day and night that you may observe regard to do according to all that is written therein, for then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. So how's Joshua going to prosper? God told him to be strong, so be courageous, go forward, and look at that book every day, every night. Say what you see 
every day, every night. You'll make your way prosperous. You'll have good success. So we've talked about reading the Word. We'll talk more about that as we go forward in the series. But every day, every night, Joshua the general. Remember, he's a general. We think of the people in the Bible, oh, they're super spiritual. He is a general. What is God's advice to this five-star general who's also the leader and the king of the people? Look at the law. Every day, every night. I've been reading through different parts of the law, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, looking at things in Genesis and Leviticus. Everything in that book talks about the promises God has for them in the land. So as Joshua keeps looking over the law, he sees what God has promised them. He sees the borders of the promised land. And sees how to enter into the promised land, not leave it on the horizon. But he's also seen something else. He's seen how God wants him to live. He's seen him how God wants him to lead. He's seen where God would have him to go. But he's also seen something else. You see, every book of the Bible points to Jesus. John 1.14 says that Jesus is the word made flesh. So without Joshua knowing, as he is staring at the word himself and prophecies foretelling his coming, he is looking at Jesus. Every day, every morning, every night, Joshua is staring at Jesus. That's how he's going to be strong. That's how he's going to be courageous. He's staring at the face of Jesus. Joshua didn't understand it. His vision is cloudy, but his vision was clear enough to see Jesus in order to possess the promised land. But his vision was cloudy. As we said before, in 2018, we need to know where we are going, and we need to know where to look. Yes, we need our spiritual perception increased, but we also need eyes that clearly see Jesus. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, we'll start with verse 16. One of the psalms we gave the church at the end of the year is to pray this prayer three times a day for the rest of the year. It'd be wise for you to just keep doing it. Your spiritual perception will increase. But notice as we read through the prayer, we talked on this prayer in detail on a Wednesday night, so I encourage you to listen to that podcast or download it online. Notice what Paul is praying for the church at Ephesus. Since I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, I call you out in prayer. The, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of who? Who? Spirit of wisdom and revelation. Revelation is a disclosure. It's a revealing. So what is one of the things he's praying that the church clearly sees? Jesus. Because I want you to clearly see Jesus. I want his spirit to operate in such a way that your eyes have a clear view of Jesus. What happens as your eyes have a clear view of Jesus? And you receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding are being enlightened. That you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which is wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him his own right hand in heavenly places far above all things put all things under his feet. To experience the greatness of the promises of that prayer. To experience the greatness that 2018 has to offer you. You need to have eyes that clearly see Jesus. Proverbs 20, 12, the New Living Translation says, ears to hear and eyes to see. Both are gifts from the Lord. It's not just natural sight, natural hearing, but your spiritual perception. That's why we begin our message, I take eyes to see. I take ears to hear. 
Yes, the word, but the word is Jesus. I take eyes that clearly see Jesus. See him for who he really is. Because what happens when you're staring at Jesus? Hebrews 12, verse 2. Well, verse 1 says, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, to see all those around you cheering you on. Let us lay aside every weight and sin that so easily beset us. Leave weight and sins behind in 2017. A weight is not necessarily a sin. A weight is just things that are hindering you from doing what God has called you to do. And some weights are seasonal that you need to set aside. It's like fasting. The purpose of fasting is not to make God hear you. It's to change you. To set aside things that get in your way, that are distracting you from seeing him clearly. It says, let us run with patience or endurance. Remember, faith and patience inherits a promise. The race that is set before us. How do we run? Where are we looking as we run? Looking on to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That word finisher means developer. The one who is developing your faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising or thinking little of the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. How did Jesus go through the cross and through his suffering? He looked at the joy set before him. You are the joy that was set before him. That's why he endured. Now, what is the writer of Hebrews saying? How we are to have patience in this life. How we're to be successful in this life. How we're to endure in this life. Look at Jesus. If you look at him, you won't faint in your mind. You won't get tired in your mind. You won't wear out internally. If you keep your eyes on Jesus. But that implies if you take your eyes off Jesus, you're going to wear even if you're doing good things, even if you're doing God things. If you take your eyes from Jesus, you will grow tired. You will grow weary and well-doing, and you'll faint by the wayside. In 2018, you must keep your eyes on Jesus. Let's go to Matthew 14 and begin to wrap this up. Matthew 14. Matthew chapter 14, glory to his holy name. We take our eyes that see Jesus, ears that hear Jesus. We want to see and hear clearly. Jesus finishes feeding the multitude supernaturally. He needed some time to pray alone, so he tells his disciples and his followers that travel with them, go get on the boat, and I'll meet you there. So he pushes them on the boat, constrains them to go. They're on the boat. Everything seems fine, but a storm begins to arise. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves. Verse 24 of chapter 14. For the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. When you look at another gospel version, it says, and he would have passed them by. Remember, he said, I'm going to meet you on the other side. Said, I'll see y'all there. So they would have docked and saw Jesus waiting there. Hey, what took y'all so long? But what happened? When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. They are afraid. Now, don't think, oh, they're so super spiritual, they're so superstitious. What would you do if you saw a dude walking on the water? <laughs> hey, John, look. Thomas, Thomas, you don't believe anything, but look. <laughs> Judas, stop stealing the money. Look. <laughs> There's some dude walking on the water. It made sense to them. It's a ghost. They're afraid. They're screaming, terrified. But immediately, straightway, Jesus spanked them saying, be of good cheer. Be encouraged. Stop being scared to cast. Y'all, come on. It is I. It's me. Be not afraid. Do not fear. 
God squashes fear all the time. 365 times in the word of God, it says, be not afraid or do not fear or fear not. Fear is the enemy. If you didn't hear that message, listen to it from the podcast from Wednesday night. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come unto you on the water. Now, why did Peter say that? I don't know. We don't know a lot of things why Peter said what he said. But you got to think about it. These guys are in a relationship. Jesus sought them out and said, follow me. They live, travel, eat together for years. They know each other well. So Peter could have just said, Jesus, if it's really you, what's the code word? What's our secret handshake? What is something you know that I told you that none of the other guys know? If it's really you. Why does Peter have to say, if it's you, tell me to come join you on that water? We don't know, but Peter had the bonus to ask such a question. Any what Jesus said? Come on. And when Peter was come down on the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Left the rest of the disciples behind. All of them could have said, well, we going too. But they stayed on the boat looking at Jesus, wondering if it's really him, and say, no, look at Peter walking on the water. Well, isn't that nice? We're going to stay dry in the boat. Because as you keep reading, Peter couldn't swim. A number of y'all in here can't swim. So imagine you getting out of the boat and walking on the water. Everything is going well. Peter's doing something that no one else besides Jesus has ever done. But what happened? Verse 30. But when he saw, say saw, the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him. Now, wait a minute. The wind was always boisterous. The sea was always rowdy. The storm did not stop when Peter got on the water. What changed his focus? What changed his sight? As soon as he took his eyes off Jesus, he began to sink. And it say he sank, he began. It's a process to sink. You know when you're not looking at Jesus, you can feel yourself sinking. Peter is now panicking. He's thinking, I'm about to die. Jesus said, yo, chill out. I'm right here. Which either means Peter walked so far, he was right close to Jesus, or Jesus supernatural transported right there. I got you, man. See, Jesus will bail out people who walk by faith and trip up a little bit. At least Peter got out of the boat. The rest of the disciples and their happy selves were on the boat. So we can talk about Peter sinking, beginning to sink, but at least he walked. Some people are like, well, I may begin to sink in 2018. At least get some steps. What if I make a mistake and I begin to sink? Jesus is right there to get you up. At least you took a step of faith. At least you started walking your faith out. But then notice the question Jesus asked Peter. Why did you doubt? We read over that scripture. Oh, why did Peter doubt? No, no, no. Context of relationship. Peter, dude, we know each other. We're close. We're friends. Why did you doubt? I may understand why the others doubted, but why did you doubt? When you're looking at 2018, what are you doubting? Why are you doubting? You have a relationship with Jesus. You're looking at Jesus. Why did you doubt? So we say Peter walked on the water because he did. But in a more spiritual context, Peter walked on the word of God. Jesus said, come on. So he walked on the word Jesus said. The Lord has said this will be a year of fullness, overflow, and glory. He said, it's a year of promises made, promises kept. It's a year of us fulfilling our purposes, seeing these manifestations of the Holy Ghost and fire. You have to walk on that word throughout the rest of the year, not just January. 
You have to walk out that word and keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't look at everything else. I guarantee you there's going to be some crazy things that happen this year. I guarantee you. There are going to be some crazy tweets that come out this year. I guarantee you. There's going to be some situations and circumstances you don't like. I guarantee you. But if you keep your eyes on Jesus, if you decide to walk by faith and not look to the left or to the right, you'll do the impossible. Circumstances, situations do not matter if your focus and your faith is in the right place. Well, how long will the economy go this way? Doesn't matter. Look at Jesus. What would the Supreme Court say? Doesn't matter. Look at Jesus. What about the Congress? Doesn't matter. Look at Jesus. What about the president? Doesn't matter. Look at Jesus. What about who runs for governor? Doesn't matter. Look at Jesus. What about what the news says? Does not matter. Good night. Look at Jesus. <laughs> Keep your eyes on Jesus. You will do the impossible. Go to 2 Corinthians 3, and we'll end here. So you have to get the promises of God in your heart continually and focus on Jesus. Just like Joshua had to meditate day and night, say it day and night, look at it day and night. You have to day and night. As you focus on fullness this year, you will develop a relationship with Jesus that will enable you to do the impossible. What do we mean by focusing on fullness? We talked about it on New Year's. What does it mean to focus on fullness? It means to do whatever it takes to become full of the Word, full of the Holy Ghost, and full of love. So as long as I have to read the Word of God every day, that's what I'm going to do. Doesn't matter how long it takes me praying to the Holy Ghost every day, that's what I'm going to do. Doesn't matter how many messages I need to listen to every day, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make sure I'm at church. I'm going to be there because I'm going to focus on fullness. Because as you keep focusing and doing these things, what are you doing? You're reading the Word. You're looking at Jesus. As you're praying, you're talking to Jesus. As you're spending time in His presence, you're spending time and you're getting to know Jesus. If you spend more time in the Word, spend more time in prayer, you will know the voice of Jesus. You won't fall for counterfeits because you know Jesus. If you focus on fullness, your relationship with Jesus will increase. You'll experience the overflow and the glory. If you focus on Jesus, you'll go through the process needed to possess the promises. You become the person that you need to be to possess the fullness of what God has for you. You have to focus on fullness. 2 Corinthians 3.16, Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with open face beholding, open face, no veil, nothing in front of our face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are changed into that same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says, In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe now. That's the enemy. Lest the light of the glorious gospel, say glorious gospel, of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Verse 6, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of who? It's the glorious gospel. Glory comes from the face of Jesus. When we read the book of Revelation, the glory that comes to the face of Jesus and from the Father lights all of heaven. There's no need for a sun because the glory that's coming from their face is more light than the sun can produce. As you stare at this glorious gospel, as you look at Jesus, verse 18 of chapter 3 says, you'll be changed into that same image. Whose image? Whoa, whoa, whoa. I can look like him. I can talk like him. I can sound like him. I can do the things that he does. Because it says that when he comes back, when we see him, we'll be as he is. But it does not yet await what happens after that. As you keep looking at the word of God, keep looking at the glorious gospel, you keep looking at Jesus, you're going to transform what is that? You can go through the process. Because if you keep staring at Jesus, you're focusing on fullness. You're focusing on fruitfulness. You're focusing on fire because our God is a consuming fire. 
Have you ever noticed that in a dark room, if someone lights a match, all eyes go to the match? In a world of darkness, look at Jesus, the fire of God. Look at him. Let your eyes gravitate toward the light. And you may not even realize it, but moments will go by, days will go by, weeks and months will go by, and then you'll realize you're a flame yourself. You're on fire, you're safe. You look just like Jesus. You've got walking more and more in the fullness of your redemption. Do you know what happened if believers walked in the fullness of their redemption? The uninformed will mistake them for Jesus himself. They'll do a double take. They're like, did Jesus just walk by? That's what God wants, salvation. Salvation wasn't supposed to just save you from sin, make sure you don't go to hell. It was to make you like Jesus. What is holiness? It's living like Jesus. What Jesus did on the cross was enough to make you like himself. God did not give you some low-grade redemption package. He gave you everything you need to become just like Jesus, to get his results on the earth, to bring heaven to earth. You might say, but I've never seen it in my family. Look at the word. You'll be the messenger your family needs. Your family will change because you looked at Jesus. Look at him. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Look at Jesus. Stand to your feet. So keep the promises of God before your eyes. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keeping your eyes on Jesus and his promises will keep you from giving up in your pursuit of the promises of God for this year. Keep your focus. Don't give up. Was an old church saying, God's brought us too far to leave us. We've come this far by faith. He's not going to fail us. We've got some work to do. Don't get discouraged. Look at Jesus. Every head bow, every eye close in prayer. I hope you enjoyed today's message. We never want to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked him into your heart, you've never made him your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for me, but on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Have an amazing day.